Coming up on golf today from the Hawaiian Islands to the California desert, John Rahm keeps taking home hardware, this time at the American Express. As he heads to Torrey, has he earned the right to be called Masters' favorite? And on the LPGA Tour, Brooke Henderson takes the season opener in Orlando, wire to wire for the third time in her career. Is she the most underrated elite player on tour? And news regarding Live Golf's application for official World Golf ranking points. Who will be included in the decision and who will step aside? That's coming up on Golf Today. Golf Today. John Rahm off to a sizzling start in 2023, began the year at the Century Tournament of Champions, overcoming a nine-shot deficit in the final round to win for the eighth time on tour. And then yesterday took home the title at the American Express, becoming the first multiple winner on tour this season. And this is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Steve Burkowski. Burko had a bunch of A-listers performing around the world of golf. We certainly did, Damon. Consider the fact we're just a few weeks into this new year. Steve Stricker wins on the PGA Tour Champions. Brooke Henderson on the LPGA Tour. John Rahm back-to-back on the PGA Tour. Gets you awfully excited for what might be in store in the months ahead. Well, how about this rise of Rahm? Let's take you back to October. You might recall he won the Spanish Open. Now, this was his third time doing so, matching his idol, Seve Bioceros. Rahm often the best player in the field, which carries its own pressure, and he performs time and again. Went on to win the DP World Tour Championship by two over Alex Norn and Tyrrell Hatton for the third time in six years. And then, as we mentioned, Started 2023 with the win at the Century Tournament of Champions for his eighth PGA Tour victory, chasing down Colin Morikawa. It was Rom's third win in his last five worldwide starts. And then, yes, Sunday won the American Express for his ninth career PGA Tour win, becoming the first player to win in back-to-back starts on tour since Rory McIlroy. Now let's take a look at some of those final round highlights, how it all played out. In California, Davis Thompson, he did not go anywhere all week long. This for birdie at the ninth. 10 Georgia Bulldogs on tour full-time. How about that? Temporarily got him tied with John Rahm. 25 under par, and you almost get that match play feeling. Rahm to answer to get that one-shot lead back. Yeah, fantastic approach, fantastic putt. Take that one-shot lead. Let's head to the back nine, the par 313. Short one here for par for Rahm. It really is only wobble. On Sunday, drops to 26 under, back tied with Young Davis. Still tied, coming down the stretch. Tee shot here at 16, the par five for Thompson. You know, he missed left into the water on five. This similar, body stops, arm takes over, and he'd have to lay up on this par five. Ultimately, would make par and stay at 26 under. Rom in the fairway, his second here at the par five. His body language there, leaning nose. Close that cavernous bunker, but it's all good now. Clean living for Rom. He would narrowly escape what could have been trouble. Take a look there. An indifferent third, but this for Birdie to get the one-shot lead. Take advantage of a good break. You know, you've seen some putts lip out. That one lips in left side. And then what everyone was talking about late Sunday. Long birdie effort here at 16 for Davis Thompson. Would it go? Would it not? Where's the caddy tending the flagstick? No, not to be. The putt was carrying some speed. I think it would have fallen. He can't believe it. He thought it was in. The first sign of emotion from Davis Thompson still stayed one back. A little trouble at 18 off the tee for Ron. Yeah, the best players in the world into trouble, out of trouble. Staring it down. Perfect spot. Hits it about 14 feet. All right, so the pressure squarely on Davis Thompson. Basically, he's got to hold it from here just over the green. It's up the club face. Fantastic scrambling all week, but needed to make that one. Not going to happen on this Sunday. We've got to imagine we could have some great Sundays ahead. Rom missed the birdie putt. Now the short one for par to finish 27 under. And what a start to the calendar year for John Rahm. And in fact, go back to the Tour Championship 2022. The results for John Rahm, a tie for second, a win, a tie for fourth, another win, a tie for eighth. Back-to-back wins on the PGA Tour in 2023. And safe to say, John Rahm brimming with confidence. I think today was were, uh, about as comfortable as I've been in a long time on the golf course, tee to green. Uh, 
you know, I felt really in command on my swing, except the tee, the only two mistakes were the tee shot on one and the tee shot on 13. And the one on 13 was barely a miss. So I uh, felt in command of my game, uh, made a lot of good swings out there and always gave myself a lot of chances, which, you know, sometimes you may make and sometimes you don't, but uh, felt about as comfortable as can be. In my mind, I feel like I can get a lot better. Uh, and I feel like that's the mentality I should have. Uh, again, I work very hard to do what I do, and I can find mistakes in every single round I've played. Uh, you know, very few times I would say I've played a flawless round. And even though there's a massive amount of positives, like the one massive positive is how good my wedge game was this week. The amount of tappings that I've had these four days is unlike anything I've ever had. Uh, you know, if I had to put an MVP to something, is that, you know, that 56 and that 52 degree wedges uh, were key. And so if I can keep that going and the ball striking at the level that I know I can, uh, I know it can get better. Um, again, it's my job to try to do the best I can. And so far, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. And John Ron with a chance to be the number one player in the world at Torrey Pines, maybe his favorite place on the planet. You've covered him, though, since college. We're seeing this dominance now, but what do you recall from his amateur days? Yeah, you go back 10, 11 years ago, a youngster from Spain speaks no English, goes to Arizona State, and I remember Tim Mickelson, then the coach for the Sun Devils, sharing the story with me. We knew he was good. We knew he could play golf, but how would the transition go in the classroom, picking up the language. We heard the stories that he basically taught himself English, listening to music, listening to rap music. But I always remember a story Tim shared with me a few years ago that about a semester in, he was ready to pull the plug on the John Rahm experiment, if you will. Not because he wasn't a great kid or he could play golf. He just didn't know when they were talking was he comprehended it? And, and that's no disrespect to John Rahm. Think if you and I went to a foreign country trying to understand the language. Ultimately, Tim said, I think we can make this work. You look at what he did at Arizona State, what he did in college golf. We knew he was good. We knew he could be special. We maybe just didn't know how special until a conversation I had with Phil Mickelson hmm. about seven years ago at the Houston Open. You keep hearing, you see, I saw just how good he could be. And I remember clearly asking Phil, how good will John Rahm be? He said, he's not going to be good. He's going to be great. He's going to be a top 10 player in the world within a year. He'll be a major champion, and he'll be a fixture on the European Ryder Cup teams for decades. Phil Mickelson was absolutely mm. correct in every scenario there. You, you always take people's thoughts, advice, counsel with a grain of salt, but the lack of hesitation from Phil and others really around John Rahm spoke to just the belief they had in his ability as a player and hard to argue with what we've seen in six-plus years as a pro. No doubt. Could have thought it was just school pride talking from Phil Mickelson, but make no mistake, he has been dominant at stretches of his career, including right now on the PGA Tour and around the world. There's a relentlessness to his golf and to his being, almost an inevitability that John Rahm is going to find a way to the top of the leaderboard by hook or by crook. There's a feistiness to his persona and his being. We see it on the golf course. Uh, sometimes uh, it, it goes to his detriment. We see it in the media center where he kind of pushes back against questions about anything to do with negativity. Saying in the California desert, let's keep it positive. He wants his voice to carry as much weight as Rory McIlroy in terms of how the PGA Tour is going to set its schedule with these designated events, you know, sitting in the Masters last year and, and being asked about, you know, how much have you leaned on Tiger Woods and his knowledge and saying, you know, Tiger doesn't tell me anything. You know, once you ask JT, JT gets all of, of the nuggets. And, and not, you know, not, not saying that with a smile on his face, but a little bit of an, an edge about it. I think there is just a discomfort with anything less then victory and greatness. He compares himself to Tiger and Seve and Jack Nicklaus in terms of knowing what those great men have done in golf, and he believes those things are available to him as well. Yeah, he's willing to take on the criticism, to embrace the uncomfortable situation, to say, you know what, I'm here, I'm good, here are my, my thoughts. A couple other things just popped into my mind. When he turned professional and you start testing all the equipment with the manufacturers, a particular company's rep said, I just worked with a young man that has done things that maybe only two or three players have ever done in terms of shot, shape, speed. 
That person was John Rahm, and I go back to Kapalua a year ago when I interviewed him each and every day. Mm. He was right in the mix, and he gave me some grief because he hadn't played for three months since the Ryder Cup. And I said, how surprised are you that with all that time off from competitive golf that you are where you are on the leaderboard? He said, do you think I'm at home sitting around doing nothing wow. for three yeah. months? And he sort of said, I got to give you the needle a little bit. Everyone thinks just because I'm not playing in a tour event or somewhere around the world that I'm not working on my game. Here's somebody that, as you said, he wants to be great. He wants to be the best. And wasn't it just a few years ago we seemingly would say, oh, his emotions, his attitude, mm. that's going to be his downfall. He's sort of stayed true to himself. He's got those moments, and maybe he's refined it mm. a little bit in wearing those emotions on his sleeve. But John Rahm right now is showing everybody this could be a huge enormous 2023 for him one thing Pat Riley the great Lakers Knicks heat coach used to say is greatness is greedy that that winning begats more winning and we've seen that on the PGA Tour with players from time to time I'm talking about legends of the game that win back to back win consecutive starts I mean Tiger did it forever Rory McIlroy has won consecutively on the PGA Tour you think about you know, Justin Thomas in 2017 starting his year a winning two events in Hawaii and going on to win a PGA championship later in 2017. So sometimes these consecutive starts and consecutive victories can lead to greater things. I remember 1992 Fred Couples winning in Los Angeles and Bay Hill setting the table for him to win the Masters in 1992. So you have to circle John Rahman think right now he is and should be the odds on favorite to put on a green jacket in a few months time. Oh and by the way he's going to one of his favorite golf courses. This How about week. that? We'll jump into that a little bit deeper on golf today but I get excited when one of the world's best makes an emphatic yeah. statement to kick off the year to say come and get me boys and we know there are a handful that can. Nothing better than the best players in the world kind of throwing their weight around the world of golf. All right, folks, take a look at the Comcast Business Tour Top 10. With his win on Sunday, John Rahm earns 500 points to move from number four to number one in the standings, claiming that top spot, by the way, for the first time in his career. And the reason this is so important since 2009, every player who finished in the Comcast Business Tour Top 10 has made it to the Tour Championship at Eastlake. So if players finish in the Top 10, odds are they're going to make it to the Tour Championship. We're just getting things going on this Monday edition of Golf Today. Brooke Henderson, boy, a dream start to kick off 2023 for the Canadian. We've got highlights from the season opener in Orlando. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. LPGA Tour kicked off 2023, Lake Nona in Orlando, Florida over the weekend. 54-hole leader, Brooke Henderson, par 5 second. This is how you settle in quickly, Damon. Really is. So much made about her length off the tee. Not enough credit maybe to her short game. Hits that to a few feet. Would make birdie get to 15 under. After a bogey at 6, Henderson back to 14 under, but this for birdie at the ninth. Yeah, the great players find a way to bounce back. The mid-range putting of late just butter. Drains it gets back to 15 under with a four shot lead. Gonna be tough to catch, but maybe Nellie Corda can make a run on that back nine. Par 5, 11th. Nice to see her healthy. Makes that, gets to 11 under. She's four back. Trying to make a move. Trying to, but sort of hit the wall at 14, her second. Call this the, one of the hardest shots in golf. You can see that hit that a little fast. Lands in the green side bunker. She's got a difficult third shot coming here. Yeah, you don't want to go bunker to bunker. That's what you and I do. <laughs> Too often <laughs> to talk about. She barely gets that out. She'd make bogey and fall to five shots behind Brooke Henderson. Henderson at the 15, still 15 under comfortable lead, this to extend it. And a comfortable distance for her makes another mid-range putt, gets to 16 under. And if she wasn't rolling in putts on the green, showing off a little bit with the short game. Maybe showing off to the sister Brittany who's on the bag. They make quite a formidable team. Sticks that to a few feet with convert the par putt. Four shot lead over at 18. The crowds around that final green. And why not hit one close at the last? Yeah, a wonderful finishing hole. A little jeopardy there as you see water looming, lurking to the left, but not a problem for Brooke. Hits this the right weight and lets the green do the rest of the work. I mean, if we're going to split hairs here, great look at Birdie and didn't walk it off in style. The short <laughs> one for Barr. 
to get back in the winner's circle with a four-shot victory. Yeah, I'll tell you what, finished last year very strong, another major championship, and now starting 2023 the right way. And sort of like John Rahm, you wonder what this could mean in the months ahead. Uh, perhaps a really big 2023 for Brooke Henderson, at the very least, gets off to the start any golfer would like. The four-shot win over Charlie Hole and Maya Stark, Nelly Korda. Five off the pace, just a great way to get things going. But Brooke Henderson, a champion, again on the LPGA Tour, she caught up with Amy Rogers. What does it mean to you to finally get a chance to hoist that trophy? Oh, it's amazing. You know, this week is incredible. The atmosphere is just so much fun, you know, playing alongside the celebrities and all the fans that come out and a lot of Canadians out here too. So it's just an incredible week and a great way to start the new year. A great way to start winning the first event of the year after all you dealt with during the off season, having your wisdom teeth taken out, dealing with the back pain and changing all your equipment. What do you feel like you've learned about yourself over these last few months? Uh, there definitely was a lot of patience involved, uh, especially early on in the off season. Uh, but yeah, a lot of big changes, a lot of things. But you know, I couldn't have worked out any better. Uh, and my grandma over the last couple of weeks has shown a lot of strength and courage. And I just wanted to try to be like her uh, this week. And so I'm happy to, you know, get my 13th victory on tour. It's pretty cool. What will you be able to take away from this, getting a win so early in the season to use as a springboard the rest of the season? Uh, you know, it is so exciting. I always try to win a couple times each year, so to get one right away, right out of the gate, uh, you know, takes a little bit of pressure off. And, you know, I just love playing out here on the LPGA Tour against the best in the world every week. And it's exciting to be in contention, and it's even more exciting to hoist uh, trophies. Easy to root for Brooke Henderson. And you think about what she's had to endure, forced to abandon the 48-inch driver almost a year ago with the new rule restricting driver length of 46 inches. Won her second major title at the Evian in July of 2022. She alluded to the fact with Amy, the back issues at the end of last year and goes wire to wire for the third time to kick off 2023 on the LPGA Tour. I'm always intrigued the equipment changes. Yeah. Pick any tour when players decide to make that move. They can test everything they want. They can feel good in a practice round with their friends and buddies. But to go out right out of the gate with new yeah. equipment and say, I'm going to win, great field, four-shot victory, that shows a lot to me about what could be in store for Brooke Henderson. And I'd love to answer to Amy. Patience, whether it was the wisdom teeth, the back injury, Everything else on the outside of the ropes, that can always be a challenge for someone that is still very, very young. Yeah, 25 years of age. There's two things I take away from Brooke Henderson. One was her not being able to use that the driver shaft, the 48-inch driver that had been her calling card in her young LPGA career. I remember being in a press conference with her a couple CME Group Tour championships ago, and she took it personally. You know, she's one of the few players in professional golf that had to make that decision and that adjustment, and she was able to do it. And the second thing that stands out to me, and we saw it in that interview with Amy Rogers, in the distance you can see a fan with a Canadian flag. That's not an anomaly. It happens at every single stop that Brooke Henderson goes to. She is a, a country favorite, and she carries that weight with such grace and aplomb. She's won 13 times at the age of 25. This is her third wire-to-wire -wire win. And I think in some ways, maybe we don't give her enough credit for, you can call it a burden, you can call it the weight of expectation for a country. Every time you go, whether you're playing in Arizona or Florida or around the world, she plays with that Canadian flag, that maple leaf waving above her head, and she just does it with great grace. If, if she feels the pressure, she doesn't show it. To me, it looks like fuel for her. Greatest Canadian golf forever. We, we were talking about it. Men, women, it's, it's close. Yeah, I think she's already there with the 13 wins and a couple of major championships as well. And she's just 25. Not fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just getting started. With more on the week in Orlando, let's welcome in Golf Week senior writer Beth Ann Nichols. Beth Ann, let's start with the champ, Brooke Henderson. What would you take away from this victory on Sunday? Well, well, as you alluded to earlier, we had a lot of questions answered. You know, first of all, she's 100% healthy, 
pain-free, still working on strengthening the back, but feeling great, able to be as aggressive as she wants. And I think when you look at the full-on equipment change, <laughs> Brooke Henderson played ping clubs basically her entire life. So this was a, a massive change and a huge question mark coming into this week. And I was talking to her sister, Brittany, who's her caddy, and she said, you know, you, you, you want to give yourself a little grace. You expect a little bit of a transition period. And, you know, they're just so, so thrilled with how, how well this all came together. And I said, well, which area of the bag are you seeing the most improvement? She said, everything. She said, the irons are, are nice and high. And, you know, especially in windy conditions, you know, they, they weren't releasing a ton. They were able to control them, especially on the wedges. She's feeling a lot of spin now. And so she's able to be more aggressive, even on chip shots. So, you know, obviously that driver was working well. She loved the putter. Everything was a win for her. So, you know, when we look at Brooke Henderson, as you said, she carries a lot of, of great expectations from, from Canada, all of Canada, really. But, but you know, is she going to take the next step? I think that's the question that we now have. She has won in, this is her ninth season. She's won an eight, eight of those nine seasons she's won. Uh, the only one that she didn't win was 2020, where she obviously played a very limited schedule. So, but can she win three or four times in a year? Can she move to number one in the world? Can she be Rolex player of the year? You know, that's that next step that I think we're, we're waiting to see if, if Brooke Henderson will take. She's been extremely consistent. Can she dominate? Beth Ann, also a great week for Sweden's Maya Stark, finishing in a tie for second. How might this jumpstart her for a very big year ahead? You know, Maya Stark was an absolute delight in the media room. I think she's going to be a fan favorite as LPGA fans across the world get to know her a little bit more. But she's just coming off of, of uh, national training in Arizona with both amateur and professional Swedes and just absolutely loving life right now. She's put in a, a new dedication to that club right there, the putter. She's decided she's going to putt six hours a week. She's going to work on that part of her game, which is – triple what she normally does. <laughs> she almost made it to six hours this past week and said she could really tell a big difference and wonders why she didn't do that a long time ago. So, uh, you know, I, I love her personality. I love how, you know, passionate she is about this game. She's going to be a ton of fun at the Solheim Cup. And she has big goals. And the funniest thing was, though, she said she still feels like an underdog out there. She's been mistaken for Brooke Henderson, Jennifer Cupshow, and Charlie Hall by fans. <laughs> <laughs> That'll pull a little fuel in the tank, no doubt. How about Gemma Dryburgh? I know she caught your eye this week for an interesting reason. Please explain. Anytime I see someone with a blank hat, I'm going to ask questions because, you know, I think it's just such, such a statement, especially at a tournament like the Tournament of Champions, which is, you know, the elite of the elite on the LPGA. So I said, Gemma, you know, are you in a transition here with the hat? And it turns out that she's been wearing a Callaway hat her entire LPGA career. And she said that she's played Callaway since she was a junior, but she was never actually paid by them. She asked them if she could have some hats when she got her LPGA card and, and, was, and was happy to represent them and 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 really just decided after she finally broke through with that big victory in Japan last year that it's it's time to get paid to wear the hat so I said well what do you think the hat's worth and she said well I think probably you know north of 20,000 for you know obviously it varies from player to player but that's what she's looking for and and her agent is is currently in a conversation with someone so hopefully we'll see uh, Gemma with some good news down down the road but she said it would be really nice to start the season you know, with all of my expenses paid for, you know, then that kind of really frees up a player. And she's not quite there yet, but but she's hoping that the hat deal can get her there. Let's get her paid. Let's get her some money. Uh, one last thing, Beth Ann, <laughs> former world number one, Jin Young Ko, had a withdrawal last week due to the ongoing injury. What's her latest update? Well, she's actually in Vietnam right now. Her manager tells me that she's having a, a practice session, a light practice session with Si Wu Lee. She's gone back to her old coach. And it's 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 not a hardcore one. She's easing back into it. But she'll be in Vietnam until the 1st of February. And she'll start her official LPGA season in Thailand later later next month. Well, we hope to see her soon. Hopefully she is healthy as well. Beth Ann Nichols, always good to catch up and spend some time. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Let's take a look at who's in the race to the CME Globe. It's early, but we can give you an update, and you don't have to do a lot of math, Damon. I think you can even figure this out. Brooke Henderson is at the top of that list. Yeah, I'm a C student in math. <laughs> Better in English and history. Yeah, you're the writer. I'll take care of the numbers. <laughs> we'll make that work. Charlie Holmeyer Stark tied for second again. The season-long race, always fun to 
get an early picture and who can get up to a quick start as well. All roads lead to Naples, Florida, folks. There was drama on Sunday as the Rolex Series crowned its first champ of the season. What caused this reaction from Victor Perez? Find out next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Back on golf today, let's take a look at what happened this week as the Rolex Series returned to the DP World Tour in Abu Dhabi. Victor Perez hit the shot of his life, spinning back this bunker shot on 17 to hold it out for birdie on route to shooting a 666 for a one-shot win. The title, his third on the DP World Tour. Victor becomes the first Frenchman to win a Rolex Series event. Great duel, Sebastian Soderberg and Minwoo Lee we're in the mix as well, but it was Victor's final round, 66, good enough for his third career DP World Tour win. The 30-year-old Frenchman is the first player representing France to win a Rolex Series event. He's 63rd in the official World Golf ranking, career best 29th, member of the winning Continental Europe team in the 2023 Hero Cup, finished fourth in the match play in 2021. 2019 was T4 at the WGC HSBC Champions, finished T9 in the 2021 players. And they keep rolling along on the DP World Tour, heading to the second straight Rolex Series event in the Middle East. It's the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. That gets going Thursday, headlined by world number one, Rory McIlroy. We take a look at some of the notables that will be joining Rory, see Tommy Fleetwood there and Shane Lowry. Francesco Molinari has shown signs early this year. Ryder Cup in Italy a little bit later on in 2023. Maybe someone to keep an eye on. Reed, Stenson, and Westwood. A few others that will be teeing it up starting on Thursday. And as you can see, Live Golfers will be competing this week. Live Golf CEO Greg Norman has long demanded that PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan and other members of the official World Golf Ranking Board recuse themselves from involvement with Live's application to receive world ranking points. Now Monahan and company are reportedly doing just that. According to the Telegraph's James Corrigan, DP World Tour CEO Keith Pelly, another target of Norman's demand, said Monday that he, Monaghan, and DP World Tour COO Keith Waters all recused themselves at the OWGR's last board meeting in December, citing they did so because our respective legal counsel suggested we did. Pelly added that a separate committee consisting of representatives from each of the four major championships, the RNA, PGA of America, USGA, and Augusta National Golf Club, will handle Liv's application moving forward. None of the majors have banned Liv players from competing. Right now, we're pleased to be joined by Ewan Murray of The Guardian from Dubai. Ewan, I understand the CEO of the DP World Tour, Keith Pelly, met with a handful of journalists in Dubai, yourself included. What did you learn? Hi guys, good to talk to you again. I learned once more that, that Keith Pelly is very bullish and, and very upbeat about the state of his organization. Um, he had a slight pop back at, he didn't name Lee Westwood, but I took it as Lee Westwood, who, who was vaguely critical of, of the state of the tour last week. Um, and he spoke about more general themes. He spoke about the, the world ranking situation generally and the world's ranking situation as it relates to live. Um, you know, Keith was restricted in part because there's there's an arbitration case coming up um, in the UK between Live players and the, the DP World Tour, and he couldn't speak much about that 
Um, but yeah, it was good to catch catch up with him at the start of the year, and and um, he was in good form. What did he say specifically about his position on the board of the official World Golf Ranking? Well, he he sympathises. Although he he thinks that the OWGR generally is in a good place, he sympathises with the widespread point that maybe there's some tweaking needing done to the rankings. On the subject of Liv, he revealed that that um, Keith himself and Keith Waters, also of the DP World Tour, and Jay Monahan had recused themselves on legal advice where it comes to all matters of of Liv and the OWGR. I think that seems a quite obvious thing to do, but you know, as far as I'm aware, it hadn't been pointed out publicly before that that, that is what these guys had done. You and regarding that, what do you think the timeline is? This is seemingly everywhere in the media. There's always so much talk about the world golf ranking, how it needs to be adjusted and changed. Did you get any type of sense of when maybe things might look a little different moving forward? In respect of live or, or, or generally? It's just general accounts of, of all those involved. Um, well, I think there's a meeting at, at the Masters and there'll be some discussion around it then. It seems to me as if they're constantly reviewing what the rankings look like. Uh, the level application has to go through a technical committee, which, again, as far as I'm aware, it is with just now, um, and looks like it's going to take quite a long time. And then if it gets through there, that falls into the hands of the, the four major championships, given Keith, Keith and Jay are now out of that picture. But, but I think Keith was keen to say today that you know they don't regard that system as completely perfect. It, it struck me that they have listened to complaints about it, the way it's been updated. Um, you know, John Ram, for example, as we know, has had quite a lot to say. And, and while they think the system is a good system, they will listen to and take on board concerns that the other stakeholders in the game may have. Speaking of John Rahm, a wonderful start in 2023, two for two on the PGA Tour. What are your impressions of the start he's had in this new year? It's incredible, isn't it? And, um, you know, it, it maybe intensified the, the, the sadness of those of us in, in Europe that he, that he wasn't playing last week in Abu Dhabi and isn't playing this week in Dubai when you see how, you know, the extraordinary stuff he, he's producing on the golf course. Bigger picture, it's great for the Ryder Cup, isn't it? Rory McIlroy, you know, most of last year played so well. John Ram is in a very good place. There's so long to go until Rome and the Ryder Cup, but it, it's great to have a European golfer in such fantastic form if... Just a pity for those of us over here. He isn't, he isn't doing it on this stage. Speaking of Rory making his 2023 debut this week in Dubai, how much do you see Rory and John Rahm, though they'll be teammates, obviously, in the fall, kind of pushing each other at this point in terms of the official World Golf ranking and being the best player in the world? Well, I hope so. You know, that, that would be great for the sport, right? We, we love rivalry. We would love two guys like that going head-to-head -head over the main part of the year with that number one ranking and, and with major championships and with big tour titles at stake, I think that would be really, really good for, for the sport. Um, the event here in Dubai has been boosted because it's Rory's first start of the year. Obviously, he, he skipped Hawaii, so there's a bit more stardust involved this week in Dubai because, you know, Rory's, Rory's back, Rory's playing the Rory factor. And I'd be pretty sure he's kept, you know, a close eye on, on John Ram's results and thought, um, you know, anything he can do, I can do better. Speaking of the Ryder Cup, the Hero Cup, by most accounts, the smashing success in Abu Dhabi a couple weeks ago, an appetizer for the European Ryder Cup team. You were there. How important was it for Luke Donald and Team Europe? Yeah, I think that was a great idea. I mean, Europe had previous success. It was called the Seve Trophy back in the day. You know, just a great way to assimilate players into that team environment. They, they play so little team golf as professionals now. It's not so much what they do in the golf course. It's understanding on a slightly smaller scale, um, what a Ryder Cup involves. And Luke Donald and others could, could also learn a bit more about the characteristics of these guys that, that you know, that were in the team room. Some guys maybe surprised them um, in terms of their attitudes, you know, within the locker room. They tried to replicate a Ryder, Club, Ryder Cup scene for players and caddies as closely as they could. And everyone I spoke to thought it was a, a fantastic success. And, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if quite a few of the the players involved there tee up for Europe in, in September. Yeah, you're finding a lot of depth. You want to understand it's dinner time in Dubai. We appreciate a few minutes. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Americans trying to win Europe for the first time since 1993. These are a handful of players. They will probably have to beat John Rahm, Victor Perez coming off that win. Rory McIlroy always going to be on that team. Seems like for the next decade 
or so. Victor Haven was there in Wisconsin, as was Shane Lowry, Alex Noren, member of the team back in 2018. And on the other side of the break, we're diving into the player who put up a valiant effort but didn't quite get the job done over the weekend in California. A winner who didn't win. Coming up next on Golf Today. John Rahm getting it done. Big winner so far in 2023. Sunday took home the title at the American Express, recording his ninth career PGA Tour victory. It moves to number one in the FedEx Cup standings for the first time in his career. Take a look at his season so far. Larry David might say it's pretty, pretty good. T4 at the CJ Cup, winning the Century Tournament of Champions, winning the American Express, a great duel with Davis Thompson, the Georgia Bulldog, the runner-up finish in just his 20th PGA Tour start. I thought he showed out very well at that final round, 69. He was very emotional after a close call in the California desert. I had, I had a great week. Um, competing against... The best in the world is uh, is uh, my dream, and I did that today and proved that I can hang with them, and it was it was a lot of fun, um, a lot of nerves, and hit a lot of quality golf shots under pressure, which was really cool. Was really cool. Where did the uh, emo the emotions that you're showing right now? Where are those coming from with this? I, I just, it's just the the hard work you put in, and you come up with a shot short and. It's just tough, um, but you know you gotta just assess what you did this week and uh, flush it, and um, and move on to next week. Time now for a, a winner who didn't win. We're gonna take the S uh, off of this because usually we kind of pick, you know, each of us picks a player. Let's talk about Davis Thompson in, in the week that was for this rookie making his twentieth. PGA Tour star. What was your big takeaway, especially with the emotion that we saw? Well, I'm going to start with the emotion, Damon. I've seen Davis Thompson through college golf. Again, think about what he did at Georgia. An All-America player, part of the U.S. Walker Cup team, was formerly the top-ranked amateur in the world. But always being around Davis, very flatline, very stoic, not a ton of emotion. So to see a response like that after coming so close, it shows you a few things. The kid can play. As he said, he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with John Rahm, yeah. and, and Rahm just simply beat him. You'll always wonder, would it have gone in at 17 when mm. it hit the flagstick or not? But it's tough to win on the PGA Tour, yeah. and it's maybe just that raw feeling moments after falling just short that we saw from Davis Thompson, and I like that. I like – because I always wondered. We knew he could play, and everyone goes about this game very, very differently. But to see it – after the fact, he goes up a different level in my book, knowing that while maybe on the surface we're not quite sure what's going on inside, I love the fact that he responded like that, that he wasn't afraid to have a few tears and say, you know what, I work hard at this game, and I know I can do it again and, and come back because the resume heading to professional golf was as good as we've seen in recent years and also Consider the fact he's one of those PGA Tour U kids to yeah. get the opportunity to go to the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour, just sort of validating that initiative that is in year three. Yeah, and we saw him, you know, flash on the leaderboard at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in, back in 2020. And that picture, by the way, you saw that was his fiance Holly who was there uh, watching him compete astride John Rahm. And what more does a young player say they want? I want to know what can I do against the best players in the world? They want to compete. You know, what do we ask? rookies all the time what do you hope to to learn and they always say i want to measure myself you know where can i get better well what better incubator did he have than being alongside one of the best players of this generation and really you know acquitting himself quite beautifully a couple of loose swings on five on 16 i thought he putted beautifully he scrambled very very well and, and you mentioned this is someone who was playing on the RSM Classic. His father is the, the tournament director there, so he had some early bites competing as an amateur against some of the best players on the PGA Tour. Then we saw him flash at that U.S. Open, but what an early moment for him in his career to say, you know what, I learned a lot about what I have inside. Not just competing, but he's in the same group. You're looking John Rahm in the face 
eye to eye. I mean, that's something that could pay dividends for the next five to 10 to 15 years in his career. Yeah, it's that early validation that you can step up, you can do things, you can go toe to toe, if you will, with one of the best players in the world. And you touched on it. We saw it in the highlights earlier. Maybe he goes back and reassesses that tee shot at 16. You, yeah. you hear so many of the members of the team saying, what were you thinking? How was your breathing? Did you get quick? I mean, Every shot counts the same, but you think if he hits it in the fairway at 16, are things yeah. a little bit different? But you know, we, you and I were at Wingfoot. He shot 69 that yeah. first day, and we both interviewed him, and he was just, yeah, this is he what I'm like here to the party. You, you nailed it perfectly with the with the flat line. Nothing seems too big, too small. I think he has a, a fantastic temperament, but but those tears uh, and his inability to kind of get his words out, I think it, it's a great tell of what was going on inside and how much it means to him and how special that this opportunity was. Yeah, and the pipeline from Athens, Georgia, to the PGA Tour continues. Maybe Davis, the next one to get in the winner's circle sooner rather than later. Still to come on golf today, John Rahm is the hottest player on the planet right now, and he heads to a place this week where he's seen a ton of success. Will John Rahm be number one after the Farmers Insurance? Invitational, we'll discuss coming up next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Golf today is back, hour number two on tap, and what a big couple of weeks it's going to be for Marcus Bird. He'll join us on the show moments from now to share what he's looking forward to in the next couple of events for him. And by yourself, John Rom, can he become world number one? He's won two in a row. Why not go for the hat trick? We'll discuss that. Is hour two coming up right now on Golf Today. Golf Today. Golf Today rolling along on this Monday. Steve Burkowski and Damon Hack with you. You've survived another hour with me. First time on this desk together. So you survived. Well, you know, they had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get me here today. But uh, I've enjoyed it and looking forward to another hour with you. Likewise, we uh, worked together at the Players' Championship many moons ago. It's fun kind of talking about the game of golf and, and the winners that we had. Over the weekend, we just detailed Steve Stricker, what he's come back from, you know, some, some physical ailments and, and mystery illness. And then neat just seeing John Rahm and, and Brooke Henderson be the players that we expect to be in water. I don't know about you. In sports, I've always loved seeing the dynasties do well. You know, you know the Niners, the, the, the Yankees, the, the Lakers. I want to see the best. Tiger Woods, I want to see the best be the best. And that's exactly what we've had a few weeks into this new calendar year. The top players on mm. their respective tours making early statements. It just gets you more, at least for myself, intrigued of what might be. But then on the flip side of things, Davis Thompson had a chance to break through in just his 20th start on the PGA Tour. So it really shows the balance and depth all around the world. Yeah, styles make fights. You know, at the American Express, you had a you know a major champ against a rookie. And we, we've seen that before out in the California desert. You had Phil Mickelson and Adam Long battling a, a few years back Tom as well. Tom and Landry. There you go. Exactly right. I think that the styles make fights. You want to see the underdog and, and uh, you know, the Davis and Goliath, as they called it. Take the points in the playoffs. Always go with the underdog. <laughs> no question about it. <laughs> 
All right, folks, time now for Winning Moments presented by Win Grips. Yeah, John Rom, what a show he put on yesterday in the desert. And this was at nine for birdie. I think a big one considering that Thompson had just made birdie before. Yeah, I, I love the approach shot that he hit there. Really the perfect spot to make that putt. Tied up at 16. Thompson in with par. Huge putt for birdie. Rom to take the one shot lead. It really was taking advantage of hitting the fairway. Didn't hit the fairway at 18. This can always be an issue. Not for Rom. Absolutely. Look at his eyes just going up and down, up and down, leaving a perfect spot to two putt from, and that's exactly what he would do. Two putt par, two for two in 2023 on the PGA Tour for John Rom. Makes you wonder again what might happen in the weeks and months ahead as we take a look at the official world golf ranking. John Rom up to number three in the world. That could be a whole nother discussion yeah. how he's not higher than that, but really now begs the question of will he be number one just days from now? Yeah, you had number three with a bullet. Would you buy or sell John Rom being number one after this week? I, I would probably buy that considering his comfort level at Torrey Pines, his comfort level with the current state of his game, and just the feistiness that with he's, which he's carrying himself kind of wanting his voice to be as loud as Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and anybody else in this complicated time in the game of golf and he just feels like someone who was so disappointed last year nary a top 10 finish in the majors very unlike John Rahm whose skill set he's a five-tool player in golf he carries himself he walks into a room he takes up a lot of space with his voice with his body I just feel like he started 2023 on a mission finished 2022 in a very strong way with a couple of wins on the DP World Tour you, you, you have to trip and fall this week not to have a very strong finish at his favorite place in the world, which is Torrey Pines in San Diego. Yeah, early indications are saying about a third-place finish for John Rahm. You also have to consider the fact Roy McIlroy, what he does in Dubai. I'm going to sell it not because of how he's playing. Wouldn't be surprised mm. to see him go three for three, but like I alluded to, take the points. Give me the underdog. If you're telling me John Rahm or the other 155 players in the field um, might not happen on Saturday, it's a Wednesday to Saturday event this week uh, on the PGA Tour, but certainly could see it happening weeks from now. And as we had you and Murray on uh, earlier in the show, what does this do for Rory? He kicks yeah. off his new year. How much impetus, not that he needs any inspiration or drive, but are they going to push one another back and forth of, well, gosh, this guy's already two for two. Maybe I have to step on the gas. We know they've circled April and Augusta, both of them, Rory, looking to uh, complete the career Grand Slam. And let's go back maybe six, eight weeks ago. So many people thought, ah, oh, Rory's finally going to do it in 2023. And 40 minutes ago, you were like, well, Rom's got to be the yeah. favorite. That's how things can change so quickly in this game. A couple weeks ago, I made the comparison to the Seve and Sir Nick Faldo back in the day, a Spaniard and a man from the U.K., and that's kind of what we have in this situation as well with John Rahm and with Rory McIlroy. They are very much collaborators when it comes to the Ryder Cup and Team Europe, but they're very much competitors for the other 51 weeks of the golf calendar. No question, I believe, they are pushing one another and aware of what the other player is doing. Now, I'm a child of the 1980s in sports, and, and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson would always know what the other player was doing. You know, Larry could be in Boston and he would pick up the paper back when people picked up newspapers <laughs> and saw that Magic Johnson had a triple-double the night before. Make no question about it. These two Brahma Bulls are pushing one another to these heights in 2023. And by the way, that's how we found the box scores. You looked at the paper the next day to see if someone had a triple-double or not. We didn't hop on the internet yeah. to see how it is. And it also sort of popped into my mind of now I get even more excited for the designated events in the mm. PGA Tour, the chance to see Rory, Rom, Scheffler, and others all in the same field, maybe more than six or eight times than we have seen in years past. We might see them 10, 12, 14 opportunities. So to uh, your point, it could just be festering. It's the, the chili on the back stove staying warm yeah. right now, getting it ready. Uh, to, to see it all simmer up. And that's what these players have talked about. In addition to the PGA Tour players wanting to protect the brand, you know, quietly and sometimes loudly, it was all about the best players in the world having these opportunities to play each other more and more 
on the weekend. The game has missed that as the folks have, you know, they make their own schedule. You know, these are independent contractors who are going to kind of pick and choose typically, historically, where they want to play. But for the viewer at home, having a chance to see John Rahm and Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas duel it out more than four times a year or more than seven times a year can only benefit the PGA Tour. Yeah, all eyes, though, will be on John Rahm looking for three mm. in a row, as you said, at a place he loves and has had a ton of success. Uh, hard to overlook him, uh, at least on this Monday. Yeah, the fight for number one continues. And speaking of the official World Golf ranking, according to the Telegraph's James Corrigan, DP World Tour CEO Keith Pelley said Monday that he, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, and DP World Tour COO Keith Waters all recused themselves from involvement with Liv's application for official World Golf ranking points, citing they did so because our respective legal counsel suggested we did. Pelly added that a separate committee consisting of representatives from each of the four major championships will handle Liv's application moving forward. None of the majors have banned Liv players from competing so far. With more, we bring in Rex Hoggard. Rex, Keith Pelly of the DP World Tour telling reporters that both he and Jay Monahan of the PGA Tour recusing themselves from the Liv Golf application for world ranking points. What should we know? Well, first off, I don't think they had any choice whatsoever, Damon, when you look at where we are in the state of golf right now. There's four separate lawsuits around the globe that are currently pending as far as Live Golf, PGA Tour, DP World Tour. And this was kind of inevitable. You weren't going to be allowed to go into that room, Keith Pelley, Jay Monahan, and make that decision. And if they did, it was going to turn into a fifth lawsuit. So clearly, the lawyers wanted to try to avoid that. The other half of this is, and reading the story in the Telegraph this morning was, it's going to be a bit of a gamble. I mean, turning it over to the majors makes perfect sense. I understand where this is coming from. But just last month, the Masters in Augusta National decided to invite the live players to the Masters this year. So clearly, they have an open mind when it comes to this. The U.S. Open and the Open Championship have voiced kind of a similar mind frame when it comes to this, that, look, we're open. There's nothing we can do to try to keep these live players out. PGA of America, that's a little bit of a different conversation. Go back to last year when Seth Waugh spoke at the PGA Championship. He was clearly on the PGA Tour side. But I think we've all assumed going into this that they would fight tooth and nail to allow Lib Golf to get world ranking points. But I think right now it feels like a little bit more of a fair playing field, to be honest with you. Well, speaking of lawsuits going on all over the world, what's the latest in the discovery hearing between the PGA Tour and Live Golf out in the San Francisco Bay Area? Should be some news this week, and this goes back to our hearing two weeks ago. And essentially, this is a discovery dispute between the PGA Tour and the Public Investment Fund for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. They want to, the tour wants to drag the fund into this lawsuit because they're claiming that the PIF is in charge of day-to-day -day operations of Live Golf, that they've made decisions about everything from the budget to which players to sign and how much those players are being signed. On the other side of it, lawyers for the fund are arguing they're nothing more than an investor in Live Golf. And they've also pointed out many, many different statutes that say they're immune from U.S. Just, uh, jurisdiction. So the uh, judge two weeks ago in San Francisco ordered the two sides to come to some sort of compromise. The fund offered a compromise, but with five stipulations, and the tour balked at those stipulations, so now it's back on the judge's bench, and she's going to have to decide where you go forward. Now, this is important because the tour would fight any kind of removal of the PIF from this. They want them very much involved in this overall antitrust lawsuit. And even during the hearing two weeks ago, going through the transcript, the judge and the lawyers brought up the idea that this would end up in the Ninth Circuit of Appeals and maybe even beyond that. Let's circle back to some golf. You were in California for the Amex over the weekend. Damon and I, we've been talking about John Rahm, the performance two for two on the PGA Tour this year. You had a front row seat. What are your takeaways from what Rahm did and what he might do in the months ahead? Burke, you and I and Damon have all done this where we do the interviews and there's a couple of minutes before the cameras come up and you, you just kind of do some small talk. And after two rounds, it was clear that John had an edge to him in the desert. Like, he was on a mission. He wanted to prove something. He wasn't entirely happy with his game. So he walked up to me on Friday after his round waiting for the interview to start, and I just kind of whispered to him, which one of those 64s did you dislike the most? And he kind of glared at me for a moment, and then he kind of cracked a smile. But you get an idea of what he was dealing with last week. He clearly did not have his A game, and it was something that he struggled with every day. He kind of showed flashes of anger on the golf course. He spent a lot of time on the greens working on that, working on his swing. I did find it fascinating after the fact 
there was a sense of relief. There was a sense of, I've done this a lot of different ways on the PGA Tour. I've won in dominant style from the front. Just go back two weeks ago, the come from behind victory in Maui, that was entirely different. This was something I don't think he dealt with before, where he was clearly going to have to just find a way to get it done. And in a way, it provided some sort of satisfaction to him after the fact. I think you could almost see there was a weight off his shoulders following that final round because of how he had the sort of battle coming down the stretch. And you guys just sent a, spent a really good segment talking about Davis Thompson and what we can expect out of him in the tour. Unprovoked, John Rahm just gushed praise on Davis Thompson and talked about how gritty he was and how much his future on the PGA Tour is going to be very, very special. I will take it a step further and say that I, this probably will not be the last showdown between those two. See, that's just good reporting because that was going to be my follow-up question. What's his takeaways from the guy that fell just mm -hmm. short? I know Rex has been able to watch a lot of Davis Thompson. So, okay, we got him on record here in January that Thompson's going to be in the mix here uh, maybe in the coming weeks or months. Rex Hoggart, always appreciate uh, catching up with you. Uh, go get some rest, my friend. We'll talk soon. See you, guys. That's what I was thinking, and he yeah. said it. But to get that praise – from John yeah. Rahm, and maybe Davis doesn't read, or, you know, in terms of uh, the, the, the press, you know, the headlines, if you will. Obviously, he, he reads. Yes, but, yes. But, you know, so emotional. We discussed in the last hour with Davis Thompson. Maybe someone's going to say, hey, by the way, you know that guy you just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with? He's got some good things to say about yeah, And I don't think John Rahm is doing that being a nice guy. I think John Rahm was pushed on Sunday and respects the, the gifts that this young man has. And you detailed his fantastic career out of the University of Georgia, which has become a factory of PGA Tour success. You know, 10 full-time members on the PGA Tour are Georgia Bulldogs. They're, they're major champs. They are, you know, representatives of, of the Ryder Cup and, and the President's Cup. The pedigree, very, very strong. And Davis Thompson seems very much of that ilk. He's had uh, some early bites of the apple, you know, as an amateur to kind of see where he stood and no bigger bite of the apple than being in the furnace on a PGA Tour Sunday against one of the best players in the world. And I don't think that was empty praise from John Rahm. He knew he was in a fight yesterday and that Davis, you know, gave him his best. It's perspective as well as John Rahm has been out on tour now six plus years. Keep in mind, he's a father. He looks at things a little differently and he was also where mm. Davis Thompson was five, six, seven years ago, coming out of college with expectations high, not only internally, but from those around him. So I think it's the tip of the cap to say, I've been down that road, keep doing what you're doing. And I don't think we can overstate the selfish nature of mm. this game that then gets balanced, is forced to be balanced when you get married and have kids. And now John Rahm on his way to Torrey Pines as golf today continues the APGA Tour Gets set to tee it up at Torrey Pines over the weekend. The APGA Tour player Marcus Bird will join the program coming up. What's he most looking forward to at the Farmers, and what else is in his future? Find out next on Golf Today. Back on Golf Today, just a reminder, the APGA Tour was created in 2010 to bring greater diversity to the game of golf. Among the initiatives hosting and operating pro tournaments called the APGA Tour, and the Farmers Insurance Invitation will be played at Torrey Pines once again with the final round on Golf Channel. Now, Marcus Bird is a player on the APGA Tour who won in September for the second time in a 15-month span in the Valley Forge Championship. He's 25 years of age from Washington, D.C. Grew up playing at Langston, played college golf at Middle Tennessee State, was a first-tee participant as well. And his 2022 season was Quite strong with a win, five runner-up finishes, 12 top 10s in 15 starts, and finished third at the 2022 Farmers Insurance Invitational. Carried a lot of swagger on Torrey Pines one year ago. And some big things ahead for him beyond Torrey Pines. How about this? The 15-time major champ Tiger Woods announcing on social media because of Marcus's resiliency and perseverance in golf, he's named the Charlie Sivert Memorial Exemption for the Genesis and likening his journey to that of Charlie Sifford. Looking forward to watching Marcus compete at Riviera. And Marcus joins us now from Genesis Media Day. Marcus, what's it like for you having Tiger Woods announce this exemption on social media, comparing your journey in golf to that of one of the great pioneers in Charlie Sifford? Uh, it's a dream come true. It's truly um, 
words are hard to describe it. Um, it's definitely special. And, you know, it's always a very special moment to be put in the same category as guys like Mr. Sifford. And I can't thank Tiger and everyone enough for making this happen. Marcus, what have the challenges been for you as you try to forge a professional career? Um, you know, it's, I think just like anyone else, it's just finding your way and, and uh, figuring out how to become the best golfer you can be and making it to the next level. You know, um, for me, it was uh, coming up from Langston, obviously, you know, it wasn't, you know, the best of conditions, but they gave me everything I could to get better. And um, as I progressed to the next level, I was very fortunate to have people to look out for me and help me get to where I am now. And um, I can't thank those guys enough and those people enough for where I am sitting here today. Well, you've certainly gotten better, Marcus, have that great support system around you. But when a new season is upon us, how do you go about it in terms of goals and expectations, considering the fact that you played so well a year ago? Uh, the, the journey's not done. You know, the goal is to be make it to the PGA Tour and be one of the best players in the world. So, you know, um, it's just taking it day by day, learning everything I can. I mean, I've been a pro for a little over two years now, so I know there's still a lot of things that I have to learn and, and for me to get better at this game. So I'm looking forward to the journey that's to come and, and um, looking forward to my main goal, making it on the PGA Tour. How do you use the success of someone like Willie Mack, who's now on the Corn Ferry Tour, or Tim O'Neill, who finally got that PGA Tour sanction card on the PGA Tour champs through Q School? How do you use that, perhaps, as a blueprint to reach your ultimate goal? Oh, man, those those two guys, uh, especially, you know, I've been very fortunate to be able to pick their brains and play a lot of golf with them over the last two years. And, um, you know, it's it's awesome and it's, uh, it's special to see those guys, all the hard work finally pay off and, you know, to see them be in places that, that I want to be in. You know, obviously, I want to be playing on the Corn Ferry Tour and playing on the PGA Tour. So it helps seeing Willie and what he went through and, and what he did to make sure he made that possible. And, you know, it's inspiring. And it uh, that fuel to the fire for me to get out there so he's not the only one out there. Marcus, I know your father, you know, took you to Langston back in the day. You lost him a couple of years ago during COVID-19. You are a Charlie Sifford exemption, getting a shout out from Tiger Woods. What do you think your dad would think of this moment for you? Man, I don't even think he would know what to say. You know, it's something that we worked so hard for since I was a kid. And, uh, you know, to see it finally come full circle, he would just have a big smile on his face and and tell me, you know, I, I did it, you know, and, um, you know, so uh, I think about it every day and I'm very fortunate to have him with me, you know, watching over me. And I know he's happy and he's smiling down over me. So, you know, I just want to keep living up to the name that he gave me and keep doing the best that I can to make him proud. Marcus, you're pretty even keeled at this point in this interview, but I remember broadcasting a year ago at the Farmers where you finished third. You had a lot of swagger, a lot of personality, a lot of fist pumps. How would you describe your inside-the-ropes persona and character? Yeah, when I'm in the moment, um, I definitely kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve a little bit. Been trying to work on it. Um, you know, trying to keep the trying to keep the highs, you know, a little down and not, and not get too down on myself. But, uh, you know, I'm, when I'm in the moment, I'm trying to win a golf tournament. You know, I uh, I tend to let the emotions fly a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's the that's the biggest thing for me is just to show, you know, show people who I am and where I'm from and, and the uh, what I've been able to do to get here. And uh, and I'm trying my best to to win at every level. Marcus, it's all right. You're allowed to show some emotion, show a little fire that burns from within. And we'll often hear this phrase, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Where does that drive come internally from you to try to make it at the highest level? From my dad. You know, he um, he always told me, you set the standard, you set the bar. You know, you, you are only going to get as far as you put, as you take yourself. So, you know, starting from a young age, we worked hard. You know, I didn't really look at what other people were doing. I was more focused on how I could get better and get to the next level and get to the ultimate goal, which was making it to the PGA Tour and one day being one of the best players in the world. So that's what, uh, that's what drives me every day. Marcus, congratulations on the Charlie Sifford exemption. It's wonderful to spend this time with you. Best of luck at Torrey Pines, and we'll speak to you down the road. Thank you so much, Damon. Thanks, Steve. All right, he is Marcus Bird, and he talked about you know, detailing 
growing up on golf courses that weren't, you know, the best manicured and, and trying to find a way to forge a career and the inspiration of his father. Steve, these, these stories are important. And your question about Tim O'Neill and Willie Mack and just the inspiration of players finding a way to the higher reaches of this game. I mean, these stories really, really matter. They do. They resonate. And as we watch the growth of this game all around the world, you know, Marcus immediately said, oh, man, to pick the brain of Willie. Or, Tim, you and I know the calamities golf-wise that Tim yeah. O'Neill has faced of Q school and what might have been to be able for a 25-year-old to say, okay, you're twice my age. Show me a pass. Show me a way to get the drive internally from his father, who you touched on that he lost a couple of years ago. I mean, it's hard not to root for someone like Marcus. And through the years of what Tiger's done with the Sifford Memorial exemption, some of those guys have made it to the PGA Tour. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me if Marcus, two, three, four years from now, might be the next in line. And how wonderful for him to have an opportunity once again to compete at Torrey Pines South and then to go to Riviera. I mean, golfers need to test their games at some of these, these hallowed spots in golf, the best you know, maintained, hardest golf courses in the world. What better place than, than for Marcus Bird to continue in his journey than some of the, the hallowed grounds in our sport?